It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we're on the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 5th, 2013. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Looking forward to our discussion. And good to be with you as well. Anthony's behind the controls. Anthony, uh, good to have you here. Thanks. It's good to be back. It's been uh, been a couple weeks. Yes, and good. Looking forward to hearing from you, and we're looking forward to hearing from our listeners at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. If you're watching us live on the video feed tonight, you can chat with other listeners to the right of your video window. If you're listening to us in the podcast version, thank you for subscribing, and we look forward to your comments anytime you might have one at, a, at questions at collegeview.com 24-7. We look forward to hearing from you there. Interesting uh, topic planned for tonight, uh, one that we have not, I don't think, well, we've discussed it in roundabout ways, but uh, not explicitly. We're going to talk about discipleship tonight, Jacob, and I think it should, it's an important discussion. I don't know if it's one of those hot-button topics that will get people yeah, really excited. Yeah, going to be a lot of people fired up about this one, I don't think. Well, they, we ought to be, though. That, you know what you just said, we ought to be fired up about being disciples. We should, but not, you know, you're not going to get the Methodists that argue with you. Yeah, we shouldn't be disciples. <laughs> yeah. what, what are you guys talking about? Yeah, we may not get as much controversy, but I hope we can get some good right. discussion okay. and encouraging discussion. To our update list earlier today, Jacob, before I get to the questions that I sent out to our update list, I want to deal with something I mentioned we were going to do. Uh, to our update list today, I said we plan to give updates on a couple of recent programs, uh, some updates relating to things we covered in a couple of recent updates. programs. Update us. <clears throat> One of the things we talked about recently, we interviewed David Pickup. Yes, we did. Uh, who is a licensed uh, marriage and family counselor in Texas and California, and he was one of the principal litigants in a lawsuit against the state of California. We talked to him on August 1st of 2013, if you'd like to listen to that program. On that program, he mentioned that he was involved in a lawsuit against California trying to ban the implementation of a law that had been passed by the legislature out there. Yes. The law basically said you can't give counseling to try and change a homosexual away from his homosexuality yes. for, for minors, anybody under 18. In other words, if I was a parent and I had a son who was having problems dealing with homo- homosexual tendencies, I might take him to a counselor like David Pickup, and David Pickup would work with him and through counseling and, and encouragement. And right. Of course, as we talked with David Pickup, his counseling is Bible-based. He would try to help that young man overcome the tendency toward homosexuality. Yes. California had passed a law saying, you can't do that. Yeah. And uh, so David Pickup and others had sued the state trying to ban the implementation of that law. They lo- he, on our program... He said he was cautiously optimistic that they would win, but they did not. I got a story from the Associated Press here. Uh, let me read parts of it. Was he you. interviewed in that article? Um, yeah, he's mentioned. Okay. He says a federal appeals court has reversed an injunction that kept California's law banning conversion therapy from taking effect. And it references David Pickup, a marriage and family therapist who is a plaintiff in the suit against California. California's pioneering law that prohibits treating young gay people with psychotherapy in an attempt to change their sexual orientation has cleared a constitutional challenge in federal appeals court. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco, of course the most liberal uh, appeals court in the land, the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco ruled that the ban does not violate essential rights. In other words, the the ban can be implemented. The law, which was to take effect in January, had been on hold after its opponents won an injunction last December. It bans mental health providers from treating minors with conversion therapy. The injunction against it has now been reversed. Conversion therapy advocate David Pickup and others, including the group 
known as the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality, or NARTH, argued that the ban limits free speech and violates the rights of potential patients and their parents as well as counselors. But in a unanimous ruling, the appeals court panel rejected that argument, saying that the bill seeks to regulate professional conduct, not speech. The panel of judges also said that the evidence in the case showed that the California legislature, quote, acted rationally when it decided to protect the well-being of minors by prohibiting mental health providers from using sexual orientation change efforts on persons under 18. Their opinion later notes parents, quote, parents have a constitutionally protected right to make decisions regarding the care, custody, and control of their children, but that right is, quote, not without limitations. Wow. You have, you have, you're a parent, you have limited, you're limited as what you, in regards to your decisions about care, custody, and control of your children, your, your rights are with limitations. Wow. Uh, uh, and then the, the article goes on, but it, it concludes by saying a similar measure in New Jersey was recently signed into law by Governor Chris Christie. I, w- I read about that last week or two, and I was quite disappointed in Chris Christie that he went along with that. Uh, so David Pickup and his cohorts in California have lost their uh, lawsuit, and now, therefore, they will not be able to do reparative therapy on of those trying to overcome the temptation of homosexuality, if you're under 18, David Pickup and and his and his uh, uh, type counselors cannot legally work with you to try and help you overcome that temptation. Very sad, Anthony. Uh, did you see in the news today uh, the Minnesota uh, Minneapolis mayor is he's going around advertising that uh, you should come to Min- Min- Minneapolis and get married. If you're, if you're sex. same sex, yeah. No, he, he, I didn't know he, that. He thinks it's big business, and uh, he's uh, he's promoting that. He, and he, well, don't he you think that a lot of people that it, there there has to be some money agenda for some of these people? I just going. don't understand it. I mean, he's he was he was in Chicago telling everybody in Chicago come come. I think it's I want to marry you in Minneapolis is the name of the uh, the advertising campaign. Oh wow! You uh, you just wonder how far will it go? I think we probably know how far it will go. Uh, you know, one of the things that. In all of this, the thing that's stunning to me is the intolerance of the of the liberal left. You know, they they cast off on us as being intolerant. There's nobody more intolerant than they are. I printed off a few of the, uh, you know, usually after a news article, they you can post re- reaction to it. Yep. And so I just printed off a few of these. Just get just get the tone of what these leftist liberals are saying. Uh, this so-called therapy is based on sectarian religious belief, not scientific research. It is rubbish. It, there is no validity. It's it's akin to bloodletting. Uh, <laughs> the people who practice this are no better than Joseph Mengele, you know, the Nazi war doctor. Mm-hmm. Another says, maybe I could be a registered cult deprogrammer with a baseball bat and use it to convince the religitards oh, uh, that's terrible. Uh, that they have... Yeah, imagine that, Anthony. If, imagine if you you called someone that uh, on the other side of the, of the table, boy, you would be ridden out of town. Yeah, it's just a, a crazy double standard out there. And many, it's, many it's so. It's. I mean, what? Uh, I, I get so tired. Of, I don't know what. It's so frustrating. But what can be done? Here, one more. Just one more to get a taste of this. A licensed therapist, talking about David Pickup, for instance, turns out to be a drooling troll carrying a Bible while slapping you on the head with it. These people should never have the right to deal with children and personal expression. Let the parents do it or accept it if they can't. Tough. Never give your kids to religious fanatics. Terrible. So well, there's, the, there's the tolerant left. There's our, there's our, our liberal uh, friends. You know, they're just so open and uh, we're so narrow and closed-minded, but they're real open and loving. Uh, that's what we get. Okay. All right. For those of you who can see this, here's our uh, wonderful local Columbia, Tennessee paper, all, the Daily all Herald. Two, all two pages of it. Well, maybe this, more than that. The front page section. Of course, this was from this was from Friday. A little bit slow news day. Uh, it's bigger on Sunday. Okay. But uh, ten pages in the first section. That's not bad. Okay. All right. Uh, you remember Jacob? When was it? Did you look up and see? It was June twentieth. On June twentieth, uh, a yes. bit of a controversy. Two thousand thirteen. A little bit of controversy back in June right here in Columbia, Tennessee. 
the, the community college, which is directly across the highway from our location here at College View. In fact, we are College View because you can view the college from here. Ah, yeah, there's a good uh, And so uh, the, the local college over there, a professor uh, assigned all her psychology students to wear a ribbon supporting gay marriage, same-sex marriage, uh, and then to write about the reactions they got when they wore that ribbon yes. support. Yes. Well, an, uh, a number of uh, students objected on religious grounds. Uh, the The professor was quoted as saying, anybody who opposes same-sex marriage is an uneducated bigot. Yes. And so we put on our marquee sign out by the highway, Columbia State Community College. That's where this is. Yes. God is not an uneducated bigot, and we quoted Romans chapter one. Oh, right. The illusion uh, is that uh, that God uh, does if God, if God opposes gay God. marriage, then He is an un- right, right. So we so that was our point. Well, as you, uh, any of our regular listeners may recall, uh, several local news channels uh, and uh, the the Nashville, Tennessee, newspaper out of uh, of Nashville. Uh, they picked up our story, they, and our, our marquee sign found its way to several different news sources throughout the country. And so yes. we made a little bit of a splash. Uh, and so here's a follow-up on what happened. The, the, on the first front page of the Columbia Daily Herald, it says, Teacher cleared in gay rights inquiry. Uh, a Columbia State Community College psychology professor did not infringe on students' First Amendment rights or discriminate against religious beliefs when she asked her classes to wear gay pride ribbons as part of an assignment. That was the conclusion of an in-house investigation in complaints about classroom activities of Dr. Linda Brunton, who made the assignment for students to experience prejudice against gays and report on the experience. A Columbia State spokesperson said there would be no comment on the findings other than the written statement released as follows. A thorough investigation of the allegations of First Amendment issues and discrimination by Dr. Brunton in regard to her psychology assignment has been completed. The college is satisfied with the investigation which yielded that the ribbon assignment was not mandatory, that the students' First Amendment rights were not infringed, and that there was no evidence of discrimination based on religious beliefs. Mm. Now, it goes on. Oh, go ahead. And I'm not going to read all this. But but the spokesman for the college did say Professor Brunton's comments in class could have been tempered with, quote, more sensitivity. (laughs) When she said God, or when she said those who oppose gay marriage are uneducated bigots, he said she could have used greater sensitivity. Mm. But, he added, her comments were within the bounds of academic freedom. Mm. Well, that's that's sad. That's, uh, that's you know, several bad. people had asked me. Several people had asked me, "What do you think is going to happen to that professor?" And I said, "Well, unless I miss my guess, she'll probably be promoted and get a raise." Yeah, I, I didn't think she'd be disciplined, and she and she so absolutely far, was so far not. You're on track. Yeah, okay. um, but you're no profit, and it doesn't take a profit to figure that out yeah, in our society. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Real quickly, before we get to our first break, um, Chris in the U.K. commented about those two issues. Chris that, is on, on, tro- on top of our news? Yeah. He said, uh, it's a shame that Governor Christie seems to think he can deny someone the right to choose a course of therapy to renounce a practice that he or she wants to repent of. Which human right is allowed to be trampled over? Of course, if someone has the right to engage in a sinful practice, why do we put thieves and rapists into correctional facilities? Is that not reparative therapy in another form? No, why, why are you trying to change a thief from being a thief? That's the way he is. Why? You, yeah, that's an, that's, an, that's he likes or, or a rapist. He likes to. Why are you changing? Right. Why are you punishing a rapist? You know, right. why, why are you trying to change him by putting him in a confined situation and trying to to uh, what's the word? What's what you, the word we use in in prison? Uh, reform. Reform. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's on the, you, you. You stumped me. I know what you're talking yeah, about. I think uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and then he says concerning the controversy at the local community college over homosexuality, he says a church that stands on biblical principles, saying that homosexuality is wrong because the Bible says it's wrong. Sorry, where's the controversy there? Surely it would be controversial if you thought it was fine, despite the clear prohibitions in the Bible. So he, he's wondering why I used the word controversy to describe what was going on. Well, it was only controversial because the college was taking a stand opposite of ours. And so uh, there was controversy in the community based upon the stance that the college took and is continuing to take 
and the stance that we take based upon the Bible. So I, st- I think the word controversy is probably a fair statement. There. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We'll take a break. And now let's get in. Before we do, let's introduce our subject for tonight. All right. So when we get back, we're going to start into our discussion about... John says rehabilitation. Rehab. That's what I was trying to think of, John. That's the word I was trying to think okay. of. Rehab. Rehabilitation. Okay. Why do we try to rehabilitate thieves and rapists and murderers if, if, if it's, you know... Why not just let them do what they they do? Yeah, interesting, interesting thought. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of inconsistencies in application. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so to our update list today, we said we we're going to talk now about discipleship, and we ask some questions. If you're not on our update list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say add me to the list, and we'll do it. Here are the questions we sent out earlier today. Number one: What should characterize a true disciple in regards to his desire to learn? His obedience, bearing fruit, willingness to sacrifice, demonstration of brotherly love, striving to be like the master. Then number two, Acts 11.26 says the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. We wanted to talk about I don't think we've ever covered this. It's kind of an interesting it thing to interesting. ask. Was the term Was the term Christian, the name Christian, was it a term of derision given by the enemies of Christ or was it a God-given name? Uh, that's interesting. I want. I want. And we got some differing opinions on that. We'll talk about that, and then also from that same passage, Acts 11, beginning verse 20 through verse 30, state the several characteristics of those disciples that were first called Christian, as they are described in that text. All right, we want to talk about that, especially when there are feedback from our listeners in the chat room about the term Christian. Is it a God-given term, or was it given to mock those who were disciples of Christ? Let us know your thoughts. We'll get into. What uh, characteristics characterize a true disciple of Christ? When we get back from the break, we want to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may not have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stop sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in a line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of church, Sunday Bible study, Sunday morning and evening worship, and Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about 1.5 years total. That's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? The context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing? Christian, how are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Not everything that can be counted counts, and not everything that counts can be counted. While we're postponing, life speeds by. If you think education is expensive, try ignorance. We are all inclined to judge ourselves by our ideals, others by their acts. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back. Whoa, whoa, we're back whoa. on the program. Yeah, that blew something out. We're back on the program tonight. We welcome you back. And we want to talk about uh, disciples and what it means to be a disciple on the program tonight. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the chat room or over the telephone tonight. All right, we're going to go through these points uh, that I suggested, and you might think of some others to add, but there are certain characteristics of a true disciple that should be evident in all who call themselves a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ask you, what what should characterize a disciple in regards to, first of all, his desire to learn? Uh, what about that? Uh, actually, a learner that's the, is is part of the literal definition of the word disciple, uh, and you could use that, Jacob, in regards to anybody. For instance, uh, if if you were a, a 
nuclear physicist. You might say I'm a disciple of Albert Einstein. Are we? What are we doing here? Playing Go ahead. You, you just talk. We got to get you right. <laughs> if you don't talk, we can't get it right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you could say you're a disciple of a scientist, or, uh, for instance, you could say you're a, a disciple of Ronald Reagan as yeah. a politician. Yeah. Uh, but for us, we are disciples of Jesus Christ, and we desire to learn from him. A disciple is a learner and a follower of a certain person. And if we're disciples of Jesus, then we want to learn about learn about him, learn from him, and follow him. Yes. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 1, it says, Seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them. Yes. Yep. And so that's what disciples did. They came to Jesus to learn, and Jesus taught them. Yeah, so, I think that, that, pro- that, that idea is probably most used with the idea of a disciple, I would think, is that you learn from that person. All right. One other verse that I could mention would be Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Where it says, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, "Teach, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So here was a disciple of Jesus saying, Lord, teach us, specifically teach us how to pray. John taught his disciples how to pray. Yes. So what you get is the idea, if you're a disciple, here, the disciples of John, John taught his disciples. The disciples of Jesus, he teaches his disciples. And so if we are a true disciple of Jesus, then we have a, a, a desire to learn from him. Yeah. And that, that should be an ongoing thing. One of the things I think is potential danger for Christians, Jacob, is that we, we sort of think that we've reached, I am a disciple. Boom. And therefore, None. now I don't have to study anymore. Yes. I don't have to keep learning anymore. I have attained status as a disciple of Jesus yes. Christ. Yes. But really, a true disciple constantly... These people were already disciples of Jesus, right. but they were still asking for more information. Teach us more. Right. Until, and, you, can, until you know everything that the teacher knows, then you need to keep on learning. Right. And, and so, if anybody wants to claim they know as much as Jesus, then, well, more power to you. Well, and so we ought to have a, a, a strong and ongoing desire to learn. Okay. Um, we got some emails back, one from our friend Ramona in Texas, who's a regular correspondent. She's, you know, uh, Ramona in Texas is beginning to challenge Chris in Atlanta as the most regular correspondent. Yes, yes they are and very good. And Chris diligent. in the U.K. And actually, those are the three uh, who took time to email us tonight, uh, our, our three most regular emailers. Now, they are not our three most regular uh chat room participants that's right they 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 do let down on that on that mark but other people take up the slack yeah we've got some regular chat rumors in here and there and there's several of them out there tonight uh i see jeff in cookville uh john in edmond oklahoma john in oklahoma i see patrick down in. i think he's in birmingham he is uh uh, and, and, and Anthony's we, in there. Yeah, we have, and then we have the anonymous guests when we don't know who they are. Yeah, we got some guests in there, and we got some from, other lurkers from parts in there. Unknown. So, yeah, uh, Ramona in Texas said concerning a disciple's desire to learn, a true disciple is on a never-ending quest to know more about Jesus. That's why we continue to grow in grace and in knowledge. Second Peter three eighteen. Never lose the desire to learn, First Peter two two. For when you do, you cease to be a disciple. Yes. Uh, that's a good. That that's really a good way to put that. If you don't have the desire to learn, then you're not a disciple anymore. Yes. Right. Because a disciple is a learner. Right. And if you don't if you don't have that hunger to learn more about Jesus, you you've suddenly lost your status as a disciple. It seems to be. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says we should hunger and thirst after the word. Else, how or how else can we understand what is expected of us? We should have a deep love and respect for the Word, as evidenced so beautifully in the 119th Psalm, particularly verses 11, 17, 18, verse 105. Also, Hebrews 4, verse 12, Acts 17, 11, and 12, and 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. I like that idea of hungering and thirsting after the Word. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, Chris in UK says uh, a good short answer in the words of Mark 8 verse 34. He called unto him his the multitude with his disciples. He called unto him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. You'll notice it is not quote Have your best best life now. Pull up a sofa, enjoy your life, eat, drink, and be merry. Yikes! That's not what he said. Right. Uh, 
And then he goes on, and he didn't break these down one by one, so I'm just going to read his response here. He says, Disciple is one who associates with another and learns from him. A notable Old Testament example would be Elisha to Elijah. As it is associated to the followers of Christ, the New Testament word for disciple is mathete, meaning learner, adherent, or enrolled pupil. In the ancient world, they passed knowledge to students not through standard text or collective exams, but by means of eager novices attaching themselves to learned men. For Jesus' disciple, it speaks of the closeness Jesus established with them. They not only learned, but co-worked with him. They were called to leave behind their former occupations in order to join Jesus in the preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand. Did they get it? Not totally, hence the numerous times they were told, why are you so dull, slow to understand all that is done? Also among them was a betrayer, a denier, a doubter, and some who wanted supremacy. They would, though, become the most effective team of evangelists assembled after Pentecost. God wants disciples today. They must first be believers who know that Jesus is the one sent, the Messiah, to redeem man by his death on the cross. They are also called to grow in the Lord, to exercise the gifts given to them, to help everyone come to faith in Jesus, whatever that be teaching or serving or being an encourager. We are to witness by word and deed, to gather together for worship and teaching, and to contribute to the needs of brothers. But the greatest goal should be that I must decrease and Jesus must increase, and that our needs are to be seen second to his needs, and that what we are, and that we want to have nothing known amongst them except Christ and him crucified, and that we will daily love him more dearly and his people, too. All right. Thank you, Chris, for those comments. And in the chat room, uh, John says that uh, during the life of Jesus, his disciples followed him and learned from him at every opportunity, some every single day. As true disciples, we spend every day with the Lord's word. Uh, I think that's good. You know, concerning those 12 apostles, they they literally gave up their entire life to be his disciples. They gave up their livelihood, their way of earning a living, they committed totally to him. Yes. Uh, you know, I, Jacob, sometimes I think it, it's a little bit intimidating to think about the potential of eternity. And to be in the presence of men like Peter and James and John and all the apostles and Paul and Timothy and Titus and uh, Barnabas and Apollos, men who invested themselves completely right. in serving the Lord. Do you ever think that it might be a little intimidating for us to be there with those guys and and they'll say, and, and what did you do? Right. You know, and, and what was your work? Yeah. I don't know. They, they certainly set a high bar. They do. All right. Thank you for that comment, uh, John. And uh, Patrick in the chat room, along the ideas of continuing to grow. Patrick says, I heard someone point out referring to Joel Osteen that if your best life is now, that means you're going to hell. Yeah. Uh, and Patrick's a, got another good uh, comment in there where he says, Many pagans are more devoted to mortal teachers than Christians are to God incarnate. Wow. I think that's that's a hurtful but true analysis, I think. Thank you for that. And yeah. Guest 297 says, called by the name in Isaiah uh, denotes God's sovereignty over the thing or people that is named. Uh, oh, we're going to get to that. Hold on to that. Hold on. Oh, now, Anthony, you're, in, you're, you're throwing your uh, your comments in the chat room as well. Uh, what, what, what are you commenting on yeah, there? I was just saying, I think, along the lines of what Patrick said about people you know devoted to mortal teachers i think you know you can just look at human history even you know just take uh cult leaders for example you know how many these uh, jim joneses and uh, david koresh's and all these yeah. people people are really looking to yeah. they want to devote themselves to something mm-hmm. but you know save the planet stop climate change or whatever but they don't want to you know they're not willing to devote devote their lives to being a disciple of Jesus and I guess that's because he's not standing in front of us physically he's not offering his us. message isn't maybe as appealing right it, it, right well, I don't a, know how message of, Jim Jones is but, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. a message of you know self-control and denial yeah. of self yeah and so people aren't it's not appealing okay. all right all right good all point all right let's get a break and we come back we we'll have to move a little faster yes 890 says it's easy to be dedicated to Satan it takes no effort to be a disciple of Satan yeah. Well, but you very easily become a slave, and uh, and the rewards of that are not appealing. Uh, but I I do agree with 890, and I appreciate those. Um, just look at uh, the respect, for example, given to students of uh, who in the world is that? Do you know Anthony? 
I do not know. It's a whole bunch of letters that what maybe, is it? I don't know. It may have been a keyboard malfunction. You see where, that? Where is it? M O R I H E I U E S H I B A. Where where is it? I'm not seeing it. Is oh, it's in the, in the chat, chat room? room. Yeah. Oh, I see it. Now I see do you it. You know who that is? I don't know who that is, but apparently uh, he gets lots of uh, respect. I don't know who that is. Patrick, you'll have to explain to us who that is. All right. Okay. Okay. All right, let's take a break. We'll go on the other side of the bullet point. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. The commentator William Barclay included these thoughts in his comments about the parable of the rich and foolish farmer in Luke chapter 12. Here's what he wrote. There's a story of a conversation between a young and ambitious lad and an older man who knew life. I will, said the young man, learn my trade. And then, said the older man, I will set up my business. And then, I will make my fortune. And then, I suppose that I shall grow old and retire and live on my money. And then, well, I suppose that someday I will die. And then, the point is obvious. If we live for what this life has to offer, when it's over, we'll have nothing. We'll leave it all behind, or as we sometimes say, you can't take it with you. If, on the other hand, we live for God, we have our, quote, treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Matthew 6, verse 20. What are your goals? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program tonight. If you're not listening to us live, you're missing the chat room discussion, which we got the explanation of that long name that we could not pronounce. He's a Japanese martial artist, and he's got a lot of followers. In fact, he is known as the great teacher in martial arts. So people are following him. Okay, good. All All right. right, good deal. Uh, that just, and, and that was just an illustration that Patrick was making of how people will follow mortal teachers with greater dedication than Christians sometimes yes. follow their Lord. All right. So other characteristics. Of okay. Other characteristics of disciples. We said a, a disciple should desire to learn because that's part of the meaning of the word disciple. What about obedience? What about a disciple's desire to obey? Well, actually, that's the other part of the literal meaning of disciple. A disciple is literally a learner and a follower. Oh, well, that's true. And so yeah. following, a, a, a disciple follows his master. Yeah. He obeys his master. Yeah. He does as his master teaches. Right. One couldn't be labeled or identified as a true disciple if he just learned the teachings of a person. You also have to apply them. For instance, right. back to what Patrick was saying in the chat room. Here's this Japanese martial artist guy. And so you read all the books, you know, and maybe you even become familiar enough with it that when you see a guy do a certain move in martial yes, arts, right. you, could, you could you could name it. Maybe even use the Japanese word. Right, yeah, that, kung fu, whatever it is. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. But you never get off the couch. Right. You never engage in any of the activity yourself. Right. You know it, but yeah. you don't do it. You're not a disciple. That right? makes sense. And the same is true, obviously, about You're just a learner. You're not a disciple at that point. Exactly. A couple, couple of verses mm-hmm. that suggest the need to to obey. Jesus said in John eight thirty one, 31, uh, Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Notice, it's conditioned. You are a disciple if you continue in my word. Yeah, that's that. That's exactly what it, I mean, that's, you made the point, and Jesus defined it ex- exactly that way. If you do what he says, if you obey, then you'll be his disciple. Yeah, and okay. then uh, Jesus said, this is this is uh, a parallel to the passage that Chris in UK suggested, Luke fourteen twenty six. If any man come after me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Yes. That's, that's how strong your commitment to obedience must be. That is even stronger than your relationship with your immediate family. All right. Well, uh, let us know your thoughts. What do you think about a disciple? What about their uh, obedience? Uh, Ramona says, uh, uh, Jesus said, said to those who believed him, If you obey my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John chapter uh, that you mentioned. I think that's the same passage you mentioned there in your, uh, in your reference as well. Um, John, John 8, 31, 32. Yeah. And then uh, Chris in uh, the Atlanta says that um, obedience. Jesus said the true test of knowing if we love him was to keep his commandments. John 14, 15. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 also states the test if we love God by keeping his commandments. Okay. 
and uh, Chris in the well, UK. Uh, he, wait, he, he's only gone now. All we got, he just got some comments about our last question. Okay, all right. We're done with him until we get to the to the last question. Okay, all okay. right. So, a disciple is a learner and an obedient follower. Those two things are necessary characteristics. You're not you're not a disciple. In fact, if you don't do that, you're not no, a disciple. Give it up. You've got to have both aspects. Yes, yes. But there are some more things that we can say make a person uh, a true and legitimate disciple of Jesus Christ. One of those is bearing fruit. Uh, Very closely linked to being obedient. uh, Yeah. What about bearing fruit? Yes. Uh, John 15, verse 8, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So we are disciples of Jesus, and we show that by bearing fruit. Now, what does bearing fruit mean? I that think, means you have to convert people. I think a lot of times people do think that, that they think that the only form of fruit bearing is to go out and convert people. Yes. Which would definitely be a form of bearing fruit. But there's a, a host of other things that Christians are called upon to do that are also bringing glory to the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like helping the needy, encouraging your brethren, resolving disputes, living a pure moral life, being faithful. Uh, all of those things are manifestations of bearing fruit for the Lord. Yeah, doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, bearing fruit. Doesn't have to be anything great, Anthony. That's I think we got hung up on that. Oh, I haven't, you know, yeah. I haven't done anything I haven't preached a spectacular. Thousands. I can't fill a stadium and convert masses. Right, yeah. In fact, I, when I was very early in my Christian life, I, a teacher uh, basically said, yeah, if you don't convert somebody, you're not bearing fruit and You've got to be kidding it. me. Yeah, no, it was very, <laughs> and that kind of stuck with me for a long time. And then You sort of felt pretty bummed, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So I realized that, no, that's not, you know, I, like yeah, I said, We're not diminishing right. the importance of trying no, to no, bring you, people no, to Christ. But that's, but, not, that's not our, that's not, that's right. on, uh, that's not our. But, but the thing is, think about this. That would mean that my salvation would be dependent upon the response of other people to the gospel. Right, right. I might teach. A, I might try that. to teach a hundred people, and none of them obeyed the gospel. So I'm lost too because I didn't bear any fruit. No, yeah, yeah. that's not true. I've, I've known right. of churches who set goals. We want to baptize 25 people this year. Well, I appreciate the sentiment, but uh, so what? You know, you right. can't. There's nothing you can do about that. Other, I mean, you can spread the speed, but as far as the response, that's beyond your control. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ramona says, quotes John 15 1 through 8. He is vine, we are the branches. If we do not bear fruit, we will be cut off. Chris in the UK says we're expected to bear fruit. Same text, John 15, 1 through 8. We will be recognized by our fruits, Matthew 7, verses 15 through 23. The fruits we should be producing is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, and faith, not conceited, not envying, and having control of our passions and desires. He's quoting there from Galatians 5, beginning verse 22, the fruits of the Spirit and not the, the, the works of the flesh. Jeff says they should obey, but they don't always do what they've learned. An example of this is found in Galatians 2, verse 11, and we know Peter knew that the Gentiles were accepted from God, sending him to Cornelius, but yet Peter uh, failed, and, and disciples do fail. We don't need to get the idea that disciples will be perfect. Disciples will make mistakes. Uh, Patrick says uh, being a disciple doesn't, and bearing fruit doesn't have to mean making converts. The 12 fruits of the Spirit all list are virtues, uh, so growing in holiness is bearing fruit. I agree. I, agree. I think that's right. Guest 890 asks, who did Noah convert? Well, other than his family, no one. Uh, and, you know, his family may have been converted or uh, convicted prior to Noah uh, getting on the uh, preaching uh, campaign there. Guest 297 uh, says the fruit of the Spirit. The word fruit is singular. It is not fruits. Millions died in the flood, 890 said. That's right. Well, well uh, on, the, on the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, don't you get the idea from that? I, I would agree with guest 297. Don't you get the idea of that, that we need that all? We can't pick, for instance, I'm going to bear the fruit of uh, love. But patience isn't my I thing. can't do patience. No, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I think I tried, uh, maybe I the reason why that is singular is because the expectation is you bring that all in. Yeah, right. Not just part of it. Right, okay. Okay, good. good. All right, uh, where are we on time? We've got a little bit more time. Let's go to another thing that I suggested. Disciples must do these things. One is you must be willing to sacrifice. Yes. Uh, from Luke 14, verse 27, beginning, Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 33, Luke 14, 33, 
Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Uh-huh. And so Jesus said you've got to be willing to sacrifice totally. Basically, you've got to be willing to give up everything of yourself to be his disciple. That you can't sort of halfway do you it. You can't hold out. You can't say, well, I'm going to go 50% into this, you know, uh, but I'm still going to be I'm not. I'm not committing all the way. That's what I'm saying here. I'm just. I'm just kind of. I'm interested, but I. I. I don't want to. I don't want to be. You know, we read earlier where that in that blog, those people were calling us religious fanatics and religitards. I don't want to be a religitard. No. I don't want to be a fanatic. No way. Yeah. I'm go, I want to be a disciple, but I don't want to get. I'm not going into this thing whole hog. Yeah. Well, Jesus said you can't do that. I think Anthony, that this may be the tripping point for a lot of people. The, the idea of going all in, right? Yeah, they're just, you know they just kind of want to have one foot in the world and and one foot in, you know, in the church, if you will. And uh, I'll do it if it's not too extreme. Right. When it gets when we start really, you know, that's pushing the line there. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Yep. Uh, Chris in in Atlanta says our body should be a living sacrifice. Romans twelve one. We should sacrifice our pride and put others before ourselves. Philippians two three through four. Second Corinthians nine one through seven. We should give sacrificially, Acts 2.45, Luke 6, verse 38. Uh, certainly one of the forms of sacrifice would be in our financial giving. I'm not sure that's what, what Chris had in mind there or not. Uh, but certainly financial giving would be one form of sacrifice that we ought to be willing to do if we're true disciples because we understand that, first of all, it's commanded of us. Secondly, it helps to advance the cause of our master hey. when we give. And, you know, that's the easiest uh, sacrificing, I think, often that uh, we're called to make. Yeah. Uh, uh, money, that's not, I can, we can do without some of that maybe, but uh, you know, some of these other things, your neck, uh, that that's a little bit harder to sacrifice. All right. Another thing disciples do is that they must be willing to demonstrate love. This is the, this may be, most, probably everybody thought of this verse First, yes. or uh, Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Um, so th- one of the clear identifiers of a true disciple of Jesus Christ is a person who openly uh, and obviously... Uh, loves others and especially loves his brethren. Jacob, what do you think when you see a Christian who's mean and bitter and hateful, who fails to show care and concern for others, who gossips, who murmurs, who complains? They're not a disciple. Not showing the signs of discipleship. No, no. For and, sure. and our love uh, should be a gauge by which others can measure our discipleship, and it should be an indicator to others. And that's that's a, that's a that's a, a sobering thought. There can other people look at you know we can look at it in the negative. I can tell that person is not a disciple by the way that they love and treat their brother and their fellow man. Can they look at the way that we love each other and tell there's something about them? That, that they're, Jesus they're said it should be so. It Jesus, should be. Can should, they? Yeah. The question is, are we that's are we high, living up to that mark. standard? Right. Exactly right. right. Okay. Uh, uh, Ramona says uh, this is very important. She references John thirteen thirty five, First John three, beginning verse fourteen. If we do not show brother love, we will not go to heaven. First John four, beginning verse twenty. There's no way we can love God as we should if we don't love our brethren. How can we love God whom we have not seen if we cannot love our brothers who we have seen? Exactly right. Uh, Chris uh, in Atlanta says we should love our brothers to the point of being willing to give up our life for them. John three sixteen, or First John three sixteen. We must take care of the saints' needs if we are able. First John three seventeen. Our love for one another should be shown by our actions and not just by our words. First John three verse eighteen. Very good. All right. Want to get All that right. last one? Let's go ahead and tell. You, we're almost out of time of this segment, but we got to get to that last question about the name Christian yeah. applied to disciples. So let's do this. Let's other. do this one. Then we'll get to the, that one. the last thing Christians. And this is sort of a summary point, Jacob. A disciple should constantly strive to be more like his master. And that would be in all things, right? Yes. In, John, in Matthew 10, verse 24, Jesus said, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. Yeah. Uh, 
Luke chapter 6, verse 40, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Uh, the, the New American Standard there says everyone that is or everyone that has been fully trained shall be as his master. Yes. If, if, if we have really learned, then we're going to strive to be just like Jesus. Now, also, uh, along with that idea of being like Jesus, we won't shy away from opportunities where other people will hate us and feel badly towards us. In John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If the world, if you are of the world, the world will love his own. But because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. If we're going to try and be like Jesus, then we should not be afraid of being the weirdos. Uh, Anthony, I think, well, the religious tarts. I'm sorry I had to say it, but that's <laughs> that's the way it goes. Oh, you, yeah. Rabona says, if we do not strive to be like him, he will say we are no sheep of his. Those yep. who truly belong to Christ, listen to his voice and follow him. Chris says, the, this point alone could take up an encyclopedia where to strive to be like Christ. There are so many attitudes of Jesus that time does not permit listening them, listing them all. A quick list is we should be loving, patient, passionate, and keeping God's commands, knowing the scripture and how to use it against the devil and his temptations, forgiving towards others, etc. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, All right, break. Uh, let's see. Patrick, one, one more thing quickly. Patrick says, I remember hearing an anecdote about an athlete who was becoming disheartened because he couldn't make it over the bar when practicing the high jump. The athlete was told by his trainer, throw your heart over the bar and your body will follow. Interesting. But I think that's maybe the reason why we can't get up to this high bar of discipleship is because we're not, we haven't we're got not our in hearts it. in it. That's right. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll get back. We've got to get to the question. Acts 11.26 says the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Was that a term of derision or was that a God-given name? That is interesting, and the answer, uh, well, there's some other, there's a, we've got differing opinions in our in our responses tonight. And we'll look forward to our guest. In about. the chat room. Get in the chat room. If you have not sent us an email, give us your chat room. And basically, this can be an either-or answer. Just say, God-given or uh, given by enemies. And Patrick sent a long discourse, and it has slid off the screen. Patrick, if you don't mind sending that back. I think I've got the gist of Patrick's uh, uh, response. Uh, Patrick has been discussing this recently, or trying to discuss it recently with other people. What about this term Christian? Do you think it is from God? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the Virtual Bible Study right after these important messages. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Americans' views toward a number of moral issues has shifted significantly since 2001. According to a new Gallup poll, Americans' acceptance of gay and lesbian relations has increased the most, up 19 percentage points in the past 12 years to a record high of 59% today. Americans' tolerance toward having a baby outside of marriage is also now much greater, up 15 points since 2001 to the current 60% level. The only issue that Americans have become significantly less accepting of over the past 12 years is medical testing on animals. That information is via Gallup.com. The Word of God says in Isaiah 5, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, reminding you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about being a disciple on the program tonight, and we're going to the top of the hour talking about the term Christian. Was it given by God or was it given by men in a, uh effort to deride those who would follow Christ? Patrick uh, his, his his response in the chat room really does sum up the argument for us or the discussion. 
Acts 11.26 says the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I was just wondering, is there any record which would shed some light on this passage? Did the church itself coin the term Christians to designate the followers of Jesus? Or was the term Christian a name given to the disciples by unbelievers? The wording of the passage seems ambiguous enough that either one could be true. One thing that's, which seems interesting is that the word which is translated called occurs nine times in the New Testament and seven of those times in which the word is used, the calling is clearly of divine origin. I recall once being told while I was still a Protestant that this passage indicated the fulfillment of Isaiah 62 verse 2 which says, The nations will see your righteousness and all glory, all kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord will designate. Any thoughts? As to whether this is a correct interpretation, I think it is, Patrick. I agree with you. I've got a I've got a, a six point argument from Wayne Jackson. Okay. That I think does the exact oh, very much similar to what Patrick just said. Let me go through this real quick. The Old Testament spoke of a new and everlasting name to be bestowed to be bestowed upon people of God in the gospel age, Isaiah 50, 56, 5 and six, Isaiah sixty two two, which is the one Patrick that, referenced, and, and Isaiah sixty five fourteen and fifteen. If this was not the name Christian, then what was the new name? Okay, okay. that's that's a fair question. That is if a fair question. If it's not question. Christian, what was the name? Because Isaiah promised a name would be given. They'd be uh, the people of God would be called by a new name. Argument two: Isaiah specifically associated the reception of the new name with the calling of the Gentiles in chapter sixty-two, verse two, Isaiah sixty-two, two. The name Christian was not given until the Gentiles were admitted into the church. That was a Gentile church in Antioch, Acts eleven. The, Disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And I was told and, that that would be after the Gentiles. And Isaiah said that this new name would would come after the Gentiles had been brought in. Ah, interesting. interesting. Okay. The term krimatizo, I hope I'm saying that right, translated were called in Acts 11, verse 20. The, the disciples were called Christians. It is employed nine times in the New Testament. Patrick mentioned this. Uh, it is without exception used in context wherein the calling is of God. Some suggest that the grammatical construction of the passage, Acts 11.26, indicates that the name was bestowed by Barnabas and Saul by divine authority. Argument four, it is inconceivable that Peter would have encouraged the early saints to glorify God, 1 Peter 4.16, by the use of a paganistically bestowed slang term. Yeah. Remember when he says, if any man suffers a Christian, let him glorify oh, that'd God. That would be the, the equivalent of saying, if any man suffer as, as a, a religiotard. Religi- religi- if any man yeah. suffers yeah. religion. Yeah. Don't yeah. get down on their level, Peter. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly okay. right. Uh, the early disciples did not adopt other pejorative titles. They were called other things. Right. But they didn't adopt those other things. You think things. Peter was ever called a religiotard, Anthony? I think probably not. Okay. <laughs> but he may have been called worse things. Yeah. Uh, Argument five, Paul rebuked Corinthian brothers for wearing human names. For instance, his name, Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, because he said these men were not crucified for them, nor were they immersed in, their, in those names, 1 Corinthians 1, 12, 13. Clearly, the implication is that since Christ was crucified for them and they had been baptized into his name, they had the right to wear his name. What would, what would that have been if not Christian? Good arguments. And finally, number six, there's another indication that the Christian name was divinely bestowed. James wrote concerning the honorable name which Christians had called upon. That's passive form, James 2, verse 7. This expression clearly reveals its Old Testament background, Deuteronomy 28, 10, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. A man was dedicated to God by calling God's name over him. The act indicated that he belonged to God. So Christians bear the worthy name of Christ as an indication that they are his people. Okay. So I think that's a good summary. Uh, from Wayne Jackson. We have I, some I think that the answer ab- is, yes, it's a God-given name. All right. Well, let's hear your thoughts in the chat room. Time to take those, if you'll hurry. Uh, we have some dissenting opinions in, the, in our responses and email. Ramona says, Jesus called himself the Christ, the Messiah. John chapter 4, he was the priest who offered sacrifices on behalf of people. So the Christ is the one who offered himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Because the salvation he offered, he became, uh, through love, the ruler or king of all who love him in return. Those who love him in return are known as Christians because they own up to their own sins, accept Jesus' sacrifice for them on the cross, and commit their whole lives to him in gratitude for their salvation. All right, Ramona, thank you for that. And Chris in, in Atlanta says, I've always heard that it was a term of derision, but I'm not really sure. I don't think it necessarily had to be. I read somewhere that when Roman soldiers were in the army of a certain general, they would add, 
the uh, uh, IAN to it. Like Christian. Yes. For example, uh, would be if uh, they were in uh, the army of Pompeii, the rulers would be called Pompeian. So to be in the army of Christ, one would be called a Christian. Uh, the source I found this in gave no references or source material, so I have no clue if it's true or not. Uh, yes, Chris in the UK mentions a similar thing. He says he though he says he thinks it stemmed from ignorance by the unbelievers at Antioch, who supposed that Christ was a proper name rather than a title. By the way, that is a good point to emphasize that the, the word Christ that wasn't Jesus's last name. Oh right, you know that that was means the anointed one. Right. So they supposed that Christ was a proper name rather than a title, and so they coined the label Christianoi. It was probably from familiarity or humor rather than derision. It seemed to not catch on, only having two scriptural references here in First Peter 4.16. There is another one in Acts 26, verse, what is that? Where, uh, where Agrippa yeah. said, almost yes, thou right. persuadest me to be a Christian. Yes. Uh, Acts 26, verse 28. Uh, so there's actually three references yes, right. in the New Testament. He says, but it emphasized the Christ-centered nature of discipleship, for it has parallels to Herodians and Caesarians. It marked out the disciple as being above all the people, the followers, the servants of Christ. So he also Chris said, thinks probably was not God-given, but it seems to me, I, I think, well, the, I think well, the, the prophetic argumentation is pretty powerful. Yeah, Chris also said in another response, so he says, I think it meant little Christ, which they meant as an insult, but that is what we should do or learn from those who do. Uh, so um, so there you go. All right. Uh, you asked, what, what do you think, Anthony? Any conclusion? I, I'm pretty uh, pretty convinced by Wayne Jackson's comments. That's, uh, you know makes a lot of sense. I have to say I hadn't thought about it a whole lot one way or the other. I hadn't heard a lot of teaching one way or the other on that. I just assumed it was a name they gave themselves. But Okay. Um, you ask uh, you ask another question. Oh, yeah, we ask think... from that text in Acts 11, what did those, what were the several characteristics of the disciples that are, are found in that text? Uh, Ramona says uh, they were preaching, telling the good news. They put their faith in Christ. They bore fruit. Many people turned to the Lord. They sent their gifts to church leaders to help them with a famine. They had brotherly love. Okay. And uh, Chris in Atlanta says they preached the gospel, had a good reputation, proven by actions. A disciple was encouraging to his brethren, verse 23, full of faith, verse 24. A good person, again, had good reputation, verse 24. Met regularly with the church, verse 26. Taught, verse 26. Sensitive to the needs of others, verse 29. And giving and generous, verses 29 and 30. All right. He goes on to say, in a nutshell, we should be a people of action, actively working in the kingdom and not sitting on the premises, just claiming to be setting a good example. I think that's exactly right. And and, and Chris in the U.K., they were believers, verse 20. They preached Christ, verse 20. Verse 21, they showed that it was of the Lord. Verse 22, they heard of and assisted their bro- their brothers. Uh, verse 23, they rejoiced in, at the, in the Lord's work, encouraged believers to be true to the word. Verse 24, had the spirit, had strong faith, brought people to the Lord. Verse 25, had fellowship with others. Verse 26, taught and learned in a faithful manner. Verse 29, helped others who were in need. We appreciate those th- comments tonight. Uh, in, the, in the chat room, Patrick says that he thinks maybe the word primitive. Yeah, called. Uh, called. Uh, you know, Wayne Jackson said it's found nine times used exclusively of called by God, he thinks maybe Romans 7, 3 is an exception to God using the calling well, being that of God. I, I've read about that, and, uh, you know, she was called an adulteress by God. Uh, verse, so yeah, that, I could see how that yeah. could be. You she, know, God is saying she's an adulteress. In the Old you know, Testament, he called her an adulteress. So. You know, the, the fact of the matter is, just think about it real quickly. Uh, this is a little bit off topic, but we're, we're right out of time, but... Think about that. If while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. No, not in our society. She's not. Right, right. Not in their. Not, well. In other words, if a woman left her husband and married another man, you, if you ask the vast majority of people in, in the, the world, would say, well, she's not an adulteress. She's married to the guy. Yeah. God calls her an adulteress because she doesn't have any right to be with right. that man. Right. But the world wouldn't call her an adulteress. Right. So maybe maybe that is still called by God. Yeah. Okay. All, All right. right. Well,
good discussion tonight. Uh, it went by fast. We had a lot, of, a lot of discussion. It, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't all that controversial, although that the last one got a little bit uh, differing opinions. But uh, other than that, it was fairly straightforward, but a good discussion. Yeah, I think it's worthwhile. And, thanks, Jacob. Uh, yeah, thank Anthony, you. Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks, thank thanks you. to everybody out there listening in the chat room, emailers. Thanks, Anthony, everybody. Anthony, good to have you here tonight, Anthony. No problem. And thanks again to the folks in the chat room. It was a good discussion. Dad, uh, we'll look forward to next week. Yeah, I'm not going to be here. Next oh, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> Nobody will be here. You're not here. Uh, but we hope you'll be back here. There'll be something exciting, no doubt. Uh, we'll look forward to next week and look forward to studying with you then. In the meantime, we hope you'll put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.